Hi, welcome to discussions of music, healing, and consciousness with your hosts, Chris Noble and Bill Prosman. In this episode, we're talking all about the therapeutic aspects of MDMA, dance, and music, how they can all be combined together to create an incredibly uplifting experience for the user. We'll be sharing our own personal experiences as well as lots of research around MDMA therapies, music, and dance. We not only talk about the psychedelic aspects of MDMA, but we also talk about the social communication aspects of MDMA, how they improve communication. We also talk about the therapeutic aspects of dance. Why is dance something that we have done as long as humans have existed? It feels so good, so therapeutic, but why? We go into the details and ideas as to why that is the case. We'll be talking about that and much, much more as always in these open conversations here on the discussions of music, healing, and consciousness. Today seems like a great day to talk more about psychedelic experiences with music. Um, I just recently had one and I would love to chat with Bill about that, get his two cents on the situation because it is a growing phenomenon in the scientific and health realm to combine psychedelics with music. So instead of it just being some party time, good time, you know, Woodstocky <laughs> kind yeah, of situation, yeah. we're, we're moving past that. And not that those aren't great experiences, but we are moving into a realm where um, these psychedelics really are medicines. What have you heard on your end, Bill, with people specifically using maybe MDMA, if you've heard anything, hmm. or at the very least psychedelics? What have you? Okay, kind of- so MDMA, I have to go back a ways on this because my observed experience with MDMA and my personal experience with it are two different things. Um, my personal experience is that it is a fantastic um, drug, I guess we can say it's a drug, right? Sure. It's, it's a fantastic- well, no, it's not plant medicine. So it's not plant that. medicine, yeah. so it's a synthesized, but um, my- my personal experience with it is that it is fantastic for removing all of the, the limitations to honest communication. And I'm saying that because on a couple of a couple of occasions, my wife and I have used it and it really facilitates our conversation. We have to talk about difficult subjects. We're able to do that with, um, with a level of honesty and directness that is, you know, amazing even for us because we're pretty honest and direct people. So I really enjoy that. Um, however, I, there's one thing about it that I miss because the first time that you do any of those synthesized drugs is always like the best, right? You're never going to get there again. Mm. And we're warned about that with MDMA and, um, there's, you know, all kinds of varieties of it out there. And, um, it was truly amazing. And then the experience since then has not been that level, but I think what's important is to recognize the clinical applications. And so this was several years ago, and even back then in the mid 2000s, and uh, when I became aware of it, and then certainly continuing on to the 2010s, uh, the clinical application of MDMA in the treatment of post-traumatic stress has been really beneficial for a lot of veterans. Um, it's sort of been eclipsed recently by um, ketamine, which is the next thing sort of coming down the veterans post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. treatment pike, and then very rapidly now by psilocybin. So um, I'm aware of great results in all of those areas. Um, as I said, MDMA is sort of like falling below the radar. And that gives me a kind of joy, you know, Chris, because I think the whole plant medicines are really more aligned with who we are. And synthesized compounds, while they can be great, and, you know, obviously a lot of people had a ton of fun on ecstasy, 
Uh, I think we're looking toward a more purposeful use for these compounds now. And, and I'm, I'm very you know, glad to know that the use that I made of it uh, was one that had a higher intention than just sort of raving at a party, right? But you told me a second ago that you've had a personal experience recently with it too. So let's let's start there. Sort of, we can share notes and kind of figure out, you know, how it all works. By the way, I had no music with mine. I don't think we were using a playlist that evening. Okay, okay. And so my experience was nothing but music, and it was mind blowing <laughs> to yeah. say to say the very least. Now I haven't done MDMA for maybe about four years, so um, I would say that certainly that that you know that experience you have your first time doing any kind of drug um if you take a long break in between you can pretty much recreate that first experience again is it exactly the Good same Pro- probably not but a solid year or you know for me four years in between uh more than enough time to have i mean i i had one hit of mdma most people at this party uh, had several i didn't need anything more because i was already in the cosmos in a beautiful way. I was gone. gone. It was, it was fantastic. So to kind of break it down, basically, um, I performed, uh, just a a small town out here in British Columbia for a Halloween show, had a wonderful time. So started off the night already with a lot of music, a lot of great music, people sing and dance along. It was a great time. And then riding that post performance high, we got invited to this after party And so this was very much a typical, very typical kind of rave experience, much smaller because of the times that we're in right now. Raves are obviously just depending on where you are in the circumstances. It's a lot harder to to pull these things off uh, with numbers. So we just had a small house party kind of rave where a couple of really amazing DJs were playing some really amazing dance music. Now this is dance music. That's definitely to a certain taste, but I actually really like more aggressive dance music sometimes depending on my mood. And this was sort of like um, a bit of dubstep mixed with house mixed with other stuff. So Mm. a bit more intense uh, dance music, but I'll tell you, I mean, once I started to come up on MDMA, all I wanted to do was dance and it felt so incredible. And so one of the, the experience was, of course, dancing. So dancing to awesome music, it felt like, first of all, I had zero inhibitions. I couldn't, I could care less of how I looked on the dance floor. And that's always, that's freeing within itself to just not, to truly not care, to truly just let go. And then what I found my dance moves were becoming were just reflections of the vibration of the music. So I, I wasn't, I was almost like sitting back um, in, in autopilot, watching my body move as I danced. It wasn't like, Hey, Chris, you should shake your left, left leg here and do this little cool jig. No, it was body was on its own, <laughs> own trajectory, doing its own thing. And I was more observing it, having the best time ever. And the energy that I would gain dancing was, was just so euphoric. And I, and I, and I just felt like, um, I could feel the actual frequencies of the music. So I felt like I felt the bass in my whole body, but I felt it like coursing through the cells of my body. I could feel it almost like pulsating through my arms, through my legs. Like it was this visceral full body experience of absorbing and then through dance, moving those frequencies all at the same time. Those of you who are listening, I'm (laughs) Bill's watching me mime my dance moves right now, but it was, it was utterly incredible at how 
synergetic it was for music and dance. Like those two things specifically, I would say MDMA has got to be one of the best um, psychedelic drugs for I've, I've danced on, on, on mushrooms and stuff. That's been great. But I, I, I usually can get very lost. Sometimes I'll be dancing and then I'll start staring at the wall because there's a pattern or something that takes my mind somewhere else. I know what Mush- that feels like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mushrooms, I can really go inward. I, I can go all over the place on mushrooms. MDMA, I, I usually forget I'm on MDMA. And that's, I think for those of you listening. So here's another great thing about MDMA. If you're getting into the psychedelics and you're you're apprehensive and for a lot of valid reasons to be apprehensive. Like I I get it. Um, There's a lot of misinformation, but there's also a lot of people who have had really insane, crazy experiences that you you're probably not going to want to have as your first experience. (laughs) Totally valid. Right. Bill. You could see Chris right now. His tongue is like firmly planted in his cheek. (laughs) I mean, there's two ways of looking at that, right. You know, maybe those, maybe people want that. Yes. who wouldn't want a kick butt, you know, beautiful experience, but the other side of that could be a kick butt, not so great experience. And, you know, at least with mushrooms, the, the standard thing that they say is the mushroom knows, right? So yeah, you've got to be prepared for either one. And by the way, I'm so glad that you had this amazing experience on MDMA, right? Yes. It, now here's the thing for everyone listening too. like what I was, what I was getting at was MDMA, I, I would say is probably a really good starter drug for your psychedelic experiences. Yeah. And, and so that's like, that's what I like with mushrooms. It's it, like you said, the mushrooms give you what you're meant to have. You don't always know what that is. And you can go in with an intention and you can definitely have a light and easy uh, trip, especially if you're more microdosing and things like that. But mushrooms, I always compare that it's a bit of a roller coaster ride, you know, like you, you are going all over the place within yourself, externally into the cosmos, whatever the situation, you know, acid, just similar to that, longer and a bit more chill, perhaps, but still pretty intense. Um, and so, and, you know, peyote and like, you know, ayahuasca, these things just get more and more and more, let's say intense in terms of a drug MDMA. I would say it's one of the only psychedelics I've ever done. The only psychedelic I've ever done where I forget I'm even on a drug mushrooms. You're, you know, you're on mushrooms because the whole world looks completely different to you. Um, MDMA, you're not getting the same visual um, sensations. So things look relatively the same. They look a little different, but they look relatively the same. You just feel like you are pretty much having it, maybe the best day of your entire life. That is more of like that, the that feeling. Heightened sense perception, right? That like you could feel the music in your in your cells, right? Yes. That, that heightened perception is is so cool. I experienced that as well. And there are times where I can experience that um, on marijuana, mm-hmm. depending on what the strain is and, and use and all that. Um, when you were talking though about the music and how you could feel the music, I've had that experience once completely sober. Um, and I think we've talked about this Owl City, great EDM band. Mm, and that's right. Um, I could feel, I don't, you know, I don't know what they were using, but you know how sometimes you can feel the kick drum and it makes your organs jump around? Yes. Well, every kind of drum, snare, kick, whatever the guy was using, I could feel that at a molecular level. Uh-huh. And it's only because I, I mean, can you imagine what that would have been like on something? But I think it's only because the volume of the music was so loud that I couldn't, there was no resistance, right? So they were able to replicate 
that experience that you could have if you were using something that really reduced inhibition mm. by just cranking the volume. And I didn't have a dB meter with me, but I had ear protection. Like I was wearing, you know, <laughs> full ear protection mm-hmm. and I could still feel it. And I had a very enjoyable time. I mean, I, I love that experience. I don't know about the people without ear, no, you know, well, um, but I, you know, old, old younger jumping around was a standing room only concert. And, um, and I could tell people really love this. And it was cool to me to watch families who were dancing together, like who were experiencing that together, just like you're describing, you know, moving around, whatever. It's just like, you just move to that music because it's so, um, it's so present. Mm. I didn't want to say loud. I didn't want to say powerful, but it's so present, right? That presence yes. is so cool. And there that's, you were in it. That's, right? that's, that's the perfect word, Bill, presence. You know, that's what I, when I was, on MDMA specifically. And, and it's not just MDMA, like, like Bill mentioned too, I've had very similar experiences, utterly sober. I remember arriving late for a concert once I didn't even have time to get a beer, didn't have time to smoke a joint, didn't have time to do any mind altering substances. I was completely stone cold sober, came to this show. And it was one of my favorite dance electronic groups called Tycho. They're actually a California base, I believe. And, um, I started dancing. It was one of my favorite songs was already on there. And like you said, when it's like, okay, I already know these songs and I love these songs. So right off the bat, like my heart's in it. The music was blasting. People were dancing. And I just was like to hell with all the drugs. I don't have time for that. (laughs) I got to get into this dance floor and dance. And I was out of my body at certain moments. I could feel like my consciousness was hovering a foot above my head as I was dancing. Like I had all of the MDMA experiences sober. And I want to make that very, very clear. You can always have these experiences sober. Um, It's just a little different, (laughs) you know? So with the MDMA experience, it was, it was like, for example, um, the, some of the differences was my perception in the presence where I felt, you know, like you said, I felt so freaking present. I felt like every moment there's nowhere else I want to be. I am so utterly content right now where I am doing what I'm doing, just dancing at some stranger's living room dance floor, you know, and I, I, I felt so in the moment for that entire night, every, every second I was in the moment. I was never thinking of the future or the past. I was in it. It was beautiful. So that, that was mostly the experience. The last thing I'll say was on a completely non-musical level, I went into the bathroom for one moment and did the classic look at my eyeballs in the, uh, the reflection of the mirror to see how dilated my pupils were. Cause that's always an indication of when you're on a psychedelic, your pupils, um, they dilate, meaning that the black in your eye gets a lot bigger. So you, I don't know what exactly that means scientifically. I'm sure other people can speak to that, but I went into the washroom and I looked at myself and I felt this perception shift of myself. Okay. How do I explain this? Looking at myself in the mirror, I could see my reflection of myself, but that reflection of myself, I felt a separation from, I didn't, I, I I was aware that, that, that person looking at me was just my physical vessel, my body. And I felt this shift of this, Oh, and we lost Bill. All right. Note for Chris, cut the edit here and um, continue uh, continue onwards. We're going to cut right now. Or I'll pause. Let's see if that works. <laughs> so <laughs> after a little bit of technical 
things going on. We're back. So I will edit this. Don't worry. Um, so essentially to summarize my MDMA musical experience, I had profound euphoric vibrational experiences when I was dancing. And I find there's a synthesis that happens with MDMA and dance and music. And, and I really feel I was reflecting on it even more. And I, and I, I truly feel like it's a synthesis between dance and music. You know, it's not just music. And it's something we haven't talked about as much, which is moving that body and, and the therapeutic elements of dance. And I, I, I forgot how much I love to dance. I am not a dancer, but I am a musician. So I have some form of rhythm. And when I'm on MDMA, you just don't care. You could care less what you look like. And to be able to dance with no inhibitions and let your body literally move however it wants to move to the beat of that music is one of the most freeing experiences you'll ever have in your entire life. And that brings a whole other form of therapy that's known to some people as ecstatic dance and things like that, where you just dance off your problems. And I think we can all relate to having moments where, you know, even if you want to hype yourself up for the day, you throw on a song and start kind of moving to it in the kitchen. Or sometimes if you're in a real weird state or angry or something else, sometimes dancing is that far more primal kind of thing you can do to just physically move the energy quite literally through and like out of your body in doing so. So there is out of outside of what I was talking about before, which was, you know, musical vibrational experiences where I'm feeling the music through all the cells in my body and that's making me move, you know, outside of that, there's something to say about dance. And maybe this is something, you know, Bill, I'd love to get your two cents on is what have you experienced with music and the component of dancing? <laughs> oh my gosh. You're asking somebody who's not a dancer. Nor I am, am I. And I, I think I am, we got to break through that though, because as humans, humans, just as yes. much as we like to make music and bang on drums and stuff like that, we've been dancing since day one of existence. So why do we do it? You know, so your there's point something is so great. You, you were talking, I was thinking about Sufi dancing, you know, that form of ecstatic dance that was practiced. Of course you had to be sort of like, you know, an elder to do that, but, we've always had indigenous dance and everybody dances, you know, pick any movie you like that's got indigenous dance in it or watch video of a powwow of uh, any continent, people dance and people music. And we're sort of the inhibited puritanical, you know, American Westerners here. And I'm using American, but I do mean sort of, it's a North American, North American, pretty much. So, you know, uh, we brought our tight, tightly wound panties to this continent of beautiful indigenous openness. And we proceeded to wind everybody else up too. Uh, right. And, and first of all, apologies, but secondly, you're so right, Chris, because with an inhibition gone, it's so much easier to just be with the music or be with, you know, the forest wherever you're being. Um, and, and whatever the purpose of psychedelics, including the synthesized ones, being able to release that, being able to let that inhibition go, that's really healthy for being present. So whatever it is, and, and you know, this is coming from a guy. So my entire experience with dance is summarized very quickly by saying I was forced into take a phys ed credit in college to take intro to dance, you know, intro to ballet or whatever, because it was the only thing available. And, you know, there I am doing whatever. But, you know, it brought me a very important realization. The ballet's, the ballet dancer's center is something that anyone can aspire to, whether you're doing yoga or if you're an athlete, that centeredness of being ready to move in any direction 
at a moment's notice with grace and ease and you know fluidity and all of the amazing stuff that goes with being a ballet dancer that that moment's available to anyone we can all stop and being uninhibited in that moment is also the preparation for being able to move so i'm with you on this you know however it looks to the observers doesn't matter it's how it is you know how you are present with your own movement or your own stillness you know yeah it doesn't have to be uh, tons of movement you know but it's it's whatever your body needs and and there's no style of dance when you're dancing on mdma there's no this isn't ballet it's not hip-hop it's not tap it's anything and everything there is much like how when we've talked about the importance of non-musicians picking up an instrument and just trying to play something yeah picking instruments that are very simplistic very minimalistic that just makes some nice sounds and you kind of go from there it's the same with dance and I, and i and me as a non dance major no study of dance ever i took a couple of salsa lessons i think back in the day with my girlfriend at the time or something but i mean we're talking no experience dancing growing up with you know a pretty whitewashed north american type of family situation that like you said what's dance like we're pretty much the only culture that doesn't really dance right i mean we know. do. what's up with that i mean well seriously. it's you know north, like you said north america's got their panties wound too tight so to speak you know and yeah. it, it is true like there's there's so many things that i i find i experience everywhere else in the world and then i come back to north america and i'm like what what happened <laughs> yeah where did, where did all the life go right and, and, the- and okay so this is i gotta be honest about this this is only true for us two white guys right there are so many cultures in north america now that are so about the music and the dance and the movement and everything. And it's just like from the indigenous cultures to Mexican friends from the South, right? Mm. All the black folks who've come from Africa have brought these amazing cultures and we have movement, we have rhythm, we have all this stuff available to us right now. And it's, it's a shame we don't grok it more widely, right? And I think that's what is important to say. You're absolutely right. We've, we have all the cultures. I mean, every, every culture on the planet is in North America at this stage now, but we don't recognize it, I think, as a whole, as, a, as an overall um, larger society. It's like you can find it in the pockets, but you got to go look for it. You got to find those communities and you can. And I encourage people to, to look for those communities. If you're really just into moving your body for no apparent reason and just want to have the therapeutic kind of uh, aspect of dance, ecstatic dance is a really great way to go. There might be other terms for that, but it's, it's therapeutic dance. It's, it's almost always done sober. There's no drugs, no nothing involved, maybe water and some kombucha and that's about it. And it's usually encouraged to just go and you let yourself loose. And those like hours, right? It it could be hours. It's also up to you. It was like it lasted six hours. I mean, it it was that was a short one, right? People would plan to do this like all night long. And um, and it was amazing. It was totally amazing to be in that space because after a while, it doesn't, you know, even when you're sober, your inhibitions tend to fall apart. Yep. And, and you're just present and, and present in motion with other people who are also present in motion with no objective except to be there. I love and, and I think that's like that. That's, again, one of the ther- therapies that we don't think of is dance. Yeah. Um, but another really amazing thing you brought up, Bill, earlier in our conversation here was the honest conversations. And I wanted to quickly comment on that because you said that you and I can only imagine what that'd be like with, you know, speaking to your wife, your partner. Um, because I've had those experiences 
for example, the last time I just this last weekend, when I did some MDMA, um, I was with my musician friend who I was performing with. And we're, we're, we're friends from college over 10 years uh, of a really wonderful friendship. And we were able to just, I feel that, uh, and he's, he'd probably agree with me is that we, we connected on an even deeper level during that moment, that night of being on MD, maybe because we were able to, you know, I, I remember like, as we were walking back to the car to grab a quick snack in between dance breaks and stuff like that. Um, I was just like, I, we, we had our arm around each other. We were FYI, no alcohol. Um, the, the only thing I did all night was MDMA and just a lot of water. So there was no alcohol, yeah. um, maybe a little bit of, of, of weed, but that's about it. And I, you know, we had our arms around each other and we were just like, Hey man, like that, like, what a great show. I'm just so happy to be playing with you again. And, you know, I'm like, and I'm just so grateful that we've met and like, we're just like expressing like the deepest gratitude of our friendship, of our creative uh, relationship and just the joy of, of being in each other's lives and how important that, that is to each other. And I think, especially for a lot of, let's say a lot of straight men specifically, I'll just throw that demographic in there. I find heart to heart, deep emotional communication is usually the hardest I would say with men and specifically straight men. It's just, it's just because it's a more feminine quality um, and I mean, feminine on the energetic side of things. It's just that more right brain, whatever side of ourselves that, you know, through society and through pop culture and stuff, we've obviously been taught out of it, but we're, we're coming back to that, but it, it is nice to say just how to have such an incredibly deep conf- um, connection and conversation with a, with another male friend of mine was just, it was a really special addition to all the other amazing euphoric experiences I was having on this MDMA. So I did want to comment on that bill because you're, it's actually such a good point. It's the conversations and connections with other humans. I find they go on such a deep level and it's pure love. Even if you're talking about really heavy stuff with each other, you're coming at it from this like unbelievably pure love frequency. Did you find that when you're having that conversation? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And that's rare. Yes. Um, you know, I've experienced that some on, on very rare occasions working in a band that's really close or working with someone who is like eons ahead of me musically. You know, um, you can sometimes pick up that vibe and be a part of that. And, um, and it's recognized too. Like I got a chance one time to just sort of hang out and jam with this guy who's an amazing instrumentalist. And now is multi-instrumentalist, but he's played with everybody. And, um, you know, the fact that he wanted to hang out with me was amazing to me. I mean, I, you know, I didn't know here's this amazing musician wants to hang out with, you know, the build a piano player. And I got the coolest email afterward that reaffirmed everything that you just said. And there was a connection there. It's like, you know, I, I thought that was happening at the time and I wasn't sure, but it was, and it was acknowledged. And so I welcome those kind of musical experiences now at whatever level because there's an honesty about creating together. You know, whether, I suppose it's true for dancers. If you're creating dance together, if you're a choreographer or whatever. Any art form. Any art form. I've, I've watched painters paint together and it's a very different thing watching outdoor painting take place. You know, it's like very slow motion, but I think the same kind of energy exists in that place. And I know it's a spiritual energy now, just tailing in on what my wife has had to say. I'm a pa- amazing painter. You Maybe you know her work, Emily Carr, who was in the Pacific Northwest and actually able to paint things like totem poles when they were still used for their the real purposes, right? She saw them before they were all sawed down and taken to museums. 
And the spirituality that goes into those um, high level experiences, whatever the modality that got you there is so crucial right now. I, I pick any debate. Like if you could get the Congress of the United States, you know, all to take mushrooms together, <laughs> right? What I would, would pay to see that FYI. Right, right? who wouldn't? I mean, that could be a great, uh, great way to raise consciousness. Um, what about all of the crazy debate that's taking place right now over gender in the United States? Um, there needs to be a level of enlightenment. And, and if you can get something that gives your consciousness a boost, even if it's temporary, if it's just an intervention to say, okay, now we're going to do MDMA, right? And we're going to have an honest mm. conversation tonight. Um, even that, even though it stops and you go back to being your regular self, right? Uh, is enough, I think, to, to sort of, maybe it's a carrot, maybe it's an invitation, maybe it's a profound experience that says, you know, the old way of whoever I was before this moment, musical, whatever, whatever caused the moment, before I was that, um, may not serve me as well as this new, potentially intriguing and much better feeling thing that I got. And I, I say all of that because, um, long student of gender issues here, it's been the gay men in my life that helped sustain me. Not because they were gay, but because the experience of being gay in the 60s and 70s, which is the kind of men that I was hanging out with when I needed that help, um, was so challenging them that it blew them into that level of, of awareness because they had to be. They had to know when to give love and when not. And that kind of love, the kind of love that sustains you, that makes you feel okay with yourself, that is, is uninhibited in terms of recognizing us for who we are, I think is, is what's missing right now. There's too much of a need to put people in boxes and say, no, you can't be this, you can't be that because of X or because of Y. And that's not it. You know, the need right now is for all of us to feel like we do belong as ourselves, as the authentic people that we are, as the crazy Bill that's, you know, here doing the piano and playing kazoos for people, um, belongs, right? Chris, doing all the amazing healing work that you're doing, playing with the video, whatever, all of that, that, that belongs. And it's an integral part of all of this. And anything that lets us remember that, Chris, you know, whatever that is, who cares if it's an illegal substance? I don't anything that lets us remember that. It's like going to the shaman back in the day and saying, you know, oh, guru, tell me what's what. And, and those little rememberings are, are the glue that holds us all together. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of us, like mm -hmm. all of us worldwide, all, us, all of the beings that exist that have consciousness from rocks to people, you know, um, remembering that important connection uh, is what it's all about. So who cares? Dance it, you know, sing it, play it, draw it, meditate it. Or as somebody likes to say as a bumper sticker, compassion it, <laughs> right? But whatever it. it is, MDMA it, smoke it, you know, shroom it, mm -hmm. whatever it takes. Why not do that, right? And music is sort of like the, the whole body effect, if you will, of all of the stuff that we've got. It hits you, like you said, at a molecular level and mm -hmm. also, of course, very emotionally. And um, for those who are like Jacob Collier, the intellectual stuff is amazing in music, but all of it's there. It's all available to us to make that spiritual opening possible. And, and why not, right? At least music is safe. And, you know, it's not a schedule one substance here in the United States anyway, at least 
as of right now, <laughs> if they figure out what it's really good for, maybe they will. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's our job is to push that forward and see what, see what happens with the pushback. Although Seriously. I really can't imagine it with music. I mean, that's, I think we have a pretty safe uh, playing field here with that, but you know, it's, a, it's a really good point. And, and uh, you know, it, it comes back to this idea. You, you gave me sort of an image where I was imagining, and it's such a cliche, but it is true how, once again, we're all snowflakes in that sense of there's no snowflake that is the same. They're all different crystalline structures that are equally all gorgeous when you look at them in a microscope, but they're all different. However, when they all pile together, they can create a snowman or a snowball or something beautiful. Or an avalanche. Or an avalanche, something powerful, right? Yes, come on, people. We're you organized. We're, we're rabble rousers well, here. Well, that, I mean, that's the thing, though, power in numbers and power in an idea and power in people coming together. But once again, it looks it looks at both um, in a sense where it's like we, we have to celebrate our differences. We keep looking at all this, you know, we, we put ourselves in all these boxes. Well, and when I say we, I mean, it's typically, um, you know, mainstream media and, and, and the powers that be that kind of dictate a lot of common thought in our society. But they they love the categories because. You know, it seems to uh, divide a lot of the time rather than unite. And I, I look at it as the opposite. I'm like, well, look, those are true. These uh, these ideas of different forms of gender, sexuality, religion, nationality, et cetera, et cetera, it goes on and on and on. And those are great. And we should celebrate all those. And that's okay to have all these differences. It's wonderful. It's actually far more interesting and much better when we all come together and then have this, you know, understand that we're all different. And at the exact same time, we're all connected. So when we unite, we get to then have a very beautiful symbiosis because we're all so different. Our differences basically make up anything that's kind of lost along the way. When we all come together, everyone is going to kind of fill in the, the blank, so to speak. We, we With our differences, we become this all-encompassing, incredible, united organism. And you can feel that in a very hard to articulate in the English language kind of way when you're on a psychedelic, but you feel that I'd say on every psychedelic, one of the core things I always feel is deep, profound connection, call it connection to source, God, the cosmos, whatever, because technically, and on a scientific level, we still all come from those things. You know, we are stardust. We are the cosmos. We are planet earth. We are earth itself. And we all are connected. So yes, I can say those words and sometimes I'll, they'll ring true to me and on other days they might not, but on the psychedelic, <laughs> you know, like you, you can't run away from that. It is, it is such a visceral soul, body, mind, and emotional feeling. It's just like, it just is, you know, it on that deep, deep level. That's why I always encourage people to, to experiment with these because, Man, what a feeling. You can never forget it. You'll never go back to the same way of, of thinking after that. You know, that's really the key, isn't it? You never forget it. Mm -mm. I can remember every one of the consciousness transforming experiences that I've had in my life. Every one, they stick with me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and some of them stick because I earned them. I get them the hard way, right? So that mm -hmm. stuff stays with you. But there are other ones like um, the experience of MDMA um, was just consciousness altering for me. And and that stuck with me too. All the all the good stuff about it. I don't even remember what we talked about, right? But but the ease with which we had an uninhibited uninhibited conversation about things that needed to be discussed, you know, in that mm -hmm. way. 
like an adult conversation, right? Yeah, um, with the you know, great underlying feeling behind it. <laughs> completely, because the whole the whole impetus of that was how much I love you, and I want to share this and hear what you have to say, and just mm. like to interact and be and to form that connection, right? To strengthen that connection, coming from love, like coming the, from love, it's the foundation right? of love. Exactly. So I'm 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 only partly joking when I suggested that Congress take you know mushrooms. I'm not joking at all. <laughs> I think it's the best. You know, there's the idea of like, you know, the the the, the two uh, sides of, a, of the war, both armies, and you slip in a little acid on both their sides and just look at the battlefield uh, when that happens. And well, the there's night, that whole, uh, the world, is it a World War One story about how on Christmas Eve, the Germans and the allies came out of the trenches and played soccer or something and just, you know saw each other as human beings yeah because because we are you know and we can get my mind or sort of brainwashed into separating ourselves and thinking that some people are less human than others but at the end of the day when it all comes down to it we know we're all we are all just the same and that that kind of unity is 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 why i know that this new uh era of psychedelics in medicine is going to be one of the biggest game changers for the human race and for human consciousness, because we're really going to stop seeing all the separation and we're going to start only seeing connectivity, unity, and, you know, and that's something that like, it won't even necessarily be taught through words. I mean, that's the beauty of psychedelics is it's not someone coming up to you and lecturing you on, well, this is why you need to love each other. Okay. A, B, C, and D, you're the reasons here's the, there's nothing logical about it. It's actually just purely emotional and, and, and such an, a deep intuitive level that once again, words will cease to describe what that actually feels like when I, now, like uh, since my psychedelic experiences as a, in my early twenties, I'll never be able to look at nature differently. For example, like yeah, my, right. my love and like deep, 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 deep connection for nature stemmed from these experiences because, you know, I felt like I was at home. I, I truly like, I would get so emotional as if it was my own mother or father. And I'm just looking at a tree you yeah. know, but I, but I'm feeling this love for this tree as if it's like my grandmother, you know, or something. And I'm like, and I like, I, that, that utter deep, deep love for a quote unquote inanimate object. We know it's not it's a living thing, of course, but to most people, that's what they would look at it as. And that's, that's what is going to be shifting with all this whole psychedelic movement is this deep connection, deep love. And my God, that's going to change everything. You know, just to just to put in a plug for those of us who aren't able to use psychedelics regularly or even don't want to for whatever reason, I think that this can happen in any way, and that psychedelics are an on ramp for many many people. But there are other on ramps too, and whatever one that you happen to have, if you're listening to this, is cool. Um, I've heard people go into meditative trances that are absolutely profound, and while what they report is different. I think the underlying experience is the same. Being able to get to that level of awareness where, you know, where you can look at a tree like it's a brother, right? And, and more importantly, I'm hoping look at people around you, you know, for, for, their, um, for their connection to you as well. Uh, you made the point that the media likes to divide us and, and um, I've been reading on conflict a lot, probably too much, but conflict sells. 
And we're at a place right now, remember what I used to say sex sells? Mm -hmm. We've moved beyond that now, probably to a different, not so great level where fear sells. Yeah. And um, this is not an evolution of consciousness, people. Uh, we need to evolve out of that in some way, but I don't think that that's universal. I think that's what the media, as you're saying, is telling us, but I, universal consciousness is much more connected. And we all are operating at that level of consciousness, whether or not we like it. When we were born, we didn't have all the interference, but you know, for the most part, that connection is still there. And once you stop and recognize it, I mean, the tree's still waiting for you to stop, right? It's just going to stand there. Once you stop and recognizing it, stop and recognize it, things begin to happen. And um, we're all so busy chasing whatever we're chasing. But when we stop, you know, whatever that takes, whatever that takes, if it's contemplative prayer, great. If it's meditation, great. If it's, you know, a tragic accident, we've had so many combat veterans uh, report near-death experience and whatever, yeah. that would profoundly change their lives in mm -hmm. ways that have the same kind of result that you're describing, Chris, right? That, that you have this awareness of the of the interconnectedness that we all have of whatever that modality is. And I'm not suggesting you go out and get blown up, please. <laughs> but, but no. it, you know, these, these sort of tragic things are also gateways for us. They really and are. You can do it the easy way. You can do it the hard way. Um, do it in whatever way is comfortable for you, but for heaven's sakes, let's do more of it. Right. Let's do more of that. Whatever that is. We got to hear a band um, 25th anniversary of the squirrel nut zippers on Friday night. And we've been waiting two years to hear these, you know, COVID pretty much shut them down, but it was so great to be in a room with everybody who was there to appreciate this music. Right. And I hadn't done that in way more than two years. And mm. it was an amazing experience, amazing experience. And not everybody in the room was there for that same thing, but you could tell that a lot of people were there just to be in the presence of, this band who's like, that's not that old now, consider about like Rolling Stones, but um, what an incredible thing to be able to enjoy music uh, in, a, in a sort of a fresh way and certainly a, a almost forgotten way. It's been a while mm. with other people who are also there and connecting with the same music. It's such a beautiful thing. And um, I don't know, you, you and I were probably the music guys, right? So we're going to sort of bend on the side of music, but if you've ever been in a musical production, I, I think you get that same kind of euphoria, you mm. know, if you're listening to this, whether you were in the crew or the cast or, or pit orchestra, like I was, that, that sense of accomplishing something together that's multimodal that way. And the joy of doing that, it's not about, you know, all the crazy that sometimes goes along with, uh, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's, it, it's not that. There's something much deeper happening there. And even if that's just two people on stage doing a duet of some kind or, 200, you know, in an orchestra with a choir. Welcome that feeling, like find that, seek that feeling. Be a, try to do things that allow you to be a part of that, whatever that looks like for you, right? Chant what, with the monks, whatever it is, do it. Mm. You know, just find it, seek that out and do it. Makes you feel alive, you know, um, it, it really, truly, it's it's living. You know, I, I heard a, a podcast the other day on uh, a woman who's a metaphysicist, metaphysicist and um, an intuitive healer. So she, she's got a brilliant blend of science and spirituality. And she, um, she was able to recall life before she was born into her mother's mm. womb for crying out loud. She remembers her consciousness before going into the womb and then living in her mother's womb being born. Um, anyway, so she's got a profound, uh, memory 
to be able so when you have this memory you immediately understand that consciousness is non-local meaning it's eternal that does not die what dies is our physical body and she made a great point where she's like look the most people still in this current day and age don't they they assume that you know when we die that's it that's the end of everything there our soul is not eternal our soul is just a part of the body the body dies the soul dies that's it it's the end and so with that information, we spend our entire lives basically trying to run and fight death. We're fighting it on all fronts. You think of anti-aging medication or plastic surgery or all the different things we do to try to stay young, stay young, stay young. Don't get old. Don't get old. Don't die. Don't die. Right. All the things don't, you know, this is this new health craze that you live a bit longer, live a bit longer. But even if you live 200 years, you're still going to die at some point. It's just inevitable. Right. And instead of living, we're fighting. Cause if you think about it, if you're always fighting, this death notion, then you're literally living your life in a fight mode. You're fighting your whole life. And if you can let go of that, which happens in these spiritual experience, whether or not it's psychedelics, whether or not it's sober and do it in meditation, yoga, whatever the situation, near death experiences, whatever, you, st- you immediately understand that there is life beyond death, that your soul is eternal. And then you come back and you're like, oh, now I'm just ready to live. (laughs) Right. And you start to really live your life because you're not, you know, you have an expiration date. We all have an expiration date, but guess what? It isn't the end of the story. We get to do another story and then another and then another and another for as long as we really want. And that in and of itself, that enlightenment, if you want to call it that, is such a gift to be able to come back and and live your life in that way, which I feel so privileged to have had that gift earlier in my life. And you still go through the hurdles of life, the challenges and things like that. Doesn't mean they don't hurt you. Doesn't mean that you don't feel these things and go through tough times, but there is such a difference in living a life, knowing that the end isn't the end. And these experiences, you know, when you're having these musical experiences, it, it is a, in, in those moments, I could honestly say, I'm like, I'm alive. Like I am living, feeling this right now. Like this, this is what it's all about. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. And if anybody out there is wondering what that feels like. <laughs> <laughs> the hell are these guys talking about? <laughs> but, but isn't our whole purpose to evolve? Um, I mean, life has been evolving for a long time of where we are how many million years in right now four million or so years four billion years in um to the evolution of the as far as we know call earth something like that exactly i mean imagine what what evolution could take place if we don't all you know blow ourselves up or do the atlantis thing or any of the other stuff that can happen to end human life as we know it Mm -hmm. i mean we're, we're not all in that all a bad shape the way things are going but we are in the process of evolving and we're going to encounter issues along the way. It's just not yeah, all growing pains, mm-hmm. growing pains are fine. You know? Yeah. And um, it's nice to have ways of intervening with that, escaping from that. But the, the primary uh, impediment to our evolution is our own hard headedness. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Very we true. get in our own way. We chase fear, we chase greed, we chase whatever. And rather than focusing on, uh, what do we do to improve consciousness? Like, how mm. do we take it to the next level? Um, one of the marks of improved consciousness, at least according to Maslow, who knew something about this stuff, 
Abraham Maslow, look him up. He's uh, out there everywhere. The guy with the pyramid, remember that pyramid right. of needs? Yeah. Um, he felt that acceptance was a mark of human evolution. So I'm just looking around the world because we've got another election coming up tomorrow or something in Virginia and, and looking at the level of acceptance. And it's hard to find out what the level of acceptance is, but, but the level of competition is pretty intense. You know, I mean, we still got people trying to explain why the why they lost the presidential election here and, and, and you know, refusing to accept the facts, the fact that sun comes up is going to be, you know, we've got the flat earthers. I mean, don't get me started, but, you know, acceptance is a big part of evolution of consciousness. And um, musicians get that really early, don't we? When we when we were performing and we screw up, it's like, oh, that happened, right? You can't stop and you really wail and let it go. whine about it. And mm -hmm. You might get fired if that was, but, but you know what happened? And you just have to put that behind you because the next night you're going to sit down and play the same you know, thing, hopefully better. So um, this, this practice of acceptance, it's a tough one right now. And um, especially when we know we've got, you know, something to offer is something to give. I want to give this to you. You won't take it. Damn it. Accept it. Right. Yeah. doesn't work that way, but building an acceptance practice um, around perhaps an uninhibited moment that you can refer to and say, yeah, I was present on MDNA at that party, at that moment, in that dance, I was present. And if that's as good as it gets for me and I get in the way of that by doing whatever, why am I doing whatever? If presence is what it's all about, it's like bringing that presence to whatever your job is or whatever your focus or task or mm. person, you know, that's sitting across from you might be, if you don't bring that presence, what an insult, right? Let, let's show up in that presence. And, um, and that's kind of hard in the world today, because when you do that, a lot of people say, well, put that into a 30 second elevator pitch and we can sell it for you. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't want to sell it. It's not about selling anything. It's about, you know, raising awareness you know? I, I literally just finished a uh, acceptance meditation for a client of mine and oh, she go. has she did a really beautiful um sort of it's a guided meditation on acceptance and it it, it really you know it's I <laughs> it's such a privilege that I have doing this kind of work because I get to listen to this beautiful wisdom as I'm technically working yeah uh, away at this uh, this piece and you know the, the the key to to acceptance is to honestly it's 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 to allow your ego to just take a bit of a backseat because our ego is there for a reason it's not that the ego is necessarily a bad thing um it's just that it takes full center stage in our current day and age in society and acceptance is more like letting your ego take a bit more of a backseat and it's that that analogy of the flow of the river it's just allowing that flow instead of trying to walk upstream against this really really um, fast current that's working against you, which is essentially life because life is happening and it's happening whether you like it or not. And, and you can truly try to compartmentalize, control everything, fight everything as much as you want, or you can accept that things are just the way they are. Doesn't mean you can't be a part of the change and the evolution, but it just means that you accept things for for what they are and allow yourself to navigate this life and this, this reality in that flow of where we're at right now, you know, rather than, for example, just as a really small idea, it's like um, the argument of, Oh, AI is going to be the end of humanity. And we've talked about this before and where I'm like, 
it's the consciousness behind the AI. It's how we decide the AI, how it's going to evolve. That's that's how it, its future is determined. Meaning, it's not necessarily negative. It's negative if we if we decide and continually talk about it being negative. Then yes, that's what we will we will manifest. But essentially, if we just do things in more fluidity and harmony with the world around us, with the people around us, which comes back to that universal love frequency that you experience on all these psychedelics or in other um, meditative experiences, et cetera. These are the things that start to allow us to be like, oh, okay, maybe this is how we can evolve into a new reality that is united still with all of our differences. And hey, we're not going to get along with everything. But if we come at it from a foundation of love and connection and understanding that, I mean, you're just a mirror to myself and we're all related in a sense to one another. So therefore, do we really have to get our uh, get into such a, a tiff about these things or into such a you know crazy competitive argument about these things when in reality we can thrive so much more in collaboration rather than competition. We, th- we thrive far more in community rather than one person, you know, reigning to the top and then having control over the rest. Like we thrive as a, as a collaborative community-based organism. That's how we, that's, that's how we've always survived in the past. And that's how we're going to thrive into the future and, and music, psychedelics, meditation, non-drug oriented things, ma- you know, like, and these are the things that are going to get us to this new future. And the one thing I, I just want to add to kind of start to wrap up this, this podcast is that like we've been talking about MDMA and we've been talking about psychedelics, but you brought up a great point, Bill, which is there are other ways to do this without, if you're really like, that's great guys, but I just cannot see myself doing psychedelics. That's fine. You don't need to do these things. I remember, and we I've talked about this on a previous uh, podcast episode where you know, I've been mountain climbing and, and I've gone through really, really difficult times of altitude sickness and days and days and days losing, losing weight, not eating, and, and just basically suffering through this challenge. And then coming out of this challenge seven days later and almost feeling like reborn and a rebirth. And that feeling was a profound spiritual experience for me. And it was unlike any psychedelic experience I've ever had. So you get amazing experiences that are not psychedelic based that can completely change your life as well. So it's more just that life, much like our universe is infinite. Therefore the modalities and the expressions in which we can access this is also infinite. MDMA is just the tip of the iceberg, just happens to be a bit of a topic for our episode today. Does not mean it's the only way. There are infinitesimal ways that we can enhance our consciousness. That's my point, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. I really do. And by the way, there should probably be some kind of a disclaimer in this because neither Chris nor I are encouraging you to do any of this stuff, including meditating, listening to music or any illegal drugs. Um, That's not the point. The point is that you're responsible, that you're smart, that you have a conscience and you can use it and that you'll know it like inside, you'll know what you need to take it to the next level. Whatever that is, is the voice that you want to hear. Not us. And we can talk about our experiences. And, you know, hopefully that'll give you some guidance, but, um, you know, for heaven's sakes, if, if you're going to come roaring back at me someday and say, Bill, on this day, you told me to take drugs. We're just musicians, uh, FYI, you know, folks. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> we're not, we're definitely not doctors, not, we're not scientists. We're just curious and, 
they're like, it's a good point. You know, we're not, we're definitely not telling you what to do. And I, and I think people who are listening can certainly understand that, like, we're just giving suggestions and we're certainly just giving our, our own personal experience. And we'd love to hear what your personal experiences have been as well with, with, with psychedelics and without psychedelics, as long as it was a profound experience that you'd like to share, please share it because I'm always curious to hear different ways in which people have actually quite incredible experiences. Sometimes it's a dream. Sometimes people have a dream that sticks with them for a long time and it profoundly changes them. It's just a dream. But yeah. as we know, dreams are very misunderstood and we don't actually, if you think about it, <laughs> this is a definite little tangent here, but dreams are messed because your consciousness is literally going to another reality for that period of time. And then boom, pops back into your body and you say, oh, I just had a, a dream. But when you think about it, if someone asks, well, what did what did you dream about last night? When you describe your dream, you speak very specifically. And most people don't pay attention to this, which is, oh, well, in my dream, I was at home and then I walked down the street and then I did this and then I did that and then and then it ended. Yeah. You're not saying, oh, in my dream, I saw myself do this. No, no, no. You're there. You're living the dream. You are in the dream reality, the dream state. That is an alternate dimension, alternate reality that we access every night. But like, so when people think that consciousness is local, I'm like, how, where did it go when you slept? You know, and how did you remember it? Was it, you know, like these are... (laughs) These are the questions I love to ask. Yeah. What's going on there? You know, there's a juicy questions, you know? Yeah. Maybe that's another episode someday, you know, because that's truly, I mean, curious. Dream state is, is really amazing. And and I'm, I know nothing about dream state, but it's great to read it and read people who are into that kind of stuff. Isn't it? Wasn't it Jung that did a dream diary? Yeah. So that's probably a pretty good thing to read. Uh, We have a lot to learn. Right. And Dang it all, part of our hard-headedness, mine too, is that we like to go back and reinvent the wheel, you know, from scratch, rather than standing on the shoulders of people who've already done wheel and they're on to, you know, something else now. And, um, okay, so Dr. Einstein is in the house. We can't solve today's problems with the thinking that we use to create them. There's an absolute requirement in there that we change our thinking. Change it to what? I mean, evolve it, just evolve right? You don't have to come in one day thinking everything's red and the next day think it's blue and that's a progress. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just a change of color. It, yeah, it's a change, but we're talking about actual evolution here. And uh, Maslow, I don't know if he knew Einstein, but he viewed Einstein as an evolved person, as a self-actualized person mm-hmm. to be able to say that, you know, and um, obviously our thinking is changing because look, we're proving Einstein wrong on a couple of different things now, including like gravity and uh, relativity or these are great concepts in the, whatever, 1910, 20, when did he do Mm, relativity? Early 1900s. Yeah. Yeah, really. And they aren't serving us now because we've at least scientific thinking. (laughs) So not everybody, but those who are thinking about such things, their thinking's evolved. So it's possible. And you don't have to be a great scientist to do it. I've, I've seen, you know, toddlers evolve and, pretty decent people, even though they were hellacious when they were two, mm. right? Yeah. It's part of what we do, people. We, we do evolution pretty well, yeah. even when that comes to thinking and consciousness. So, um, so let's do that in, in whatever the modality is. You know, let's keep going that way. I'd love to talk about how consciousness relates to music. Let's do that someday too, because I know that's highly individual, mm. but it's a great conversation to have because like the frequency that's combating cancer cells inside you, 
it's probably not even something that's conscious, but it works pretty well. But it's based on the same principle that shakes our organs when we're listening to EDM or when you were like in the rave on uh, last weekend, mm. right? So um, what level of consciousness is that, right? And, and so that's a cool conversation. I agree. I mean, I think it's at the end of the day, it comes down to getting out of your own way and keeping an open mind. Yes. Well uh, the open mind is, is, is really all it really comes down to because we're always changing. And I think it's just, it's important to be open. We don't know what's right and we don't know what's wrong because what we think is the truth and what's right typically changes within a couple of decades or a couple of centuries. And so it's constantly changing it's really just good to kind of enjoy the ride and the journey at this point and keep an open mind and open heart actually more than anything. So perhaps uh, with those final thoughts, Bill, um, we could end it off today on our yeah, episode. Let's, and- let's wrap it. And uh, Hey, it's November 1st and uh, 2021 coming out of, I don't know, whatever we're coming out of October. It's, and it's um, all souls day for many people, day of the dead for others. Hmm. And as long as we're talking about consciousness, I'm just, we celebrate Day of the Dead. Um, It's not in our sort of heritage, but remembering the people who brought us here is so important for my Mm -hmm. wife and I, for our family. And that includes my parents and lots of others have gone gone before, but um, remembering those consciousnesses and bringing them into the room today just feels like a big thank you to me. So if, however you're listening to this, thank you. I echo that. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening in on our conversation and for taking time to show your appreciation with a like, share, or subscribe. Discussions of music, healing, and consciousness is a practice of spontaneity, and we welcome your comments, ideas, and questions. There are ways to connect with us in the show notes, so let us hear from you. Until next time, this is Bill Protzman along with Chris Noble wishing you great musical health. Samara Huchaya. Thank you.